welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. And we're in a series on Advent here at Vineyard Cleveland. And Advent, I, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with it. It's a term that means arrival, but it's it's been used to describe this season leading up to Christmas by the church for hundreds, for thousands of years. Um, and as I was thinking about, you know, and planning out the series for this year, the, the traditional, there's four weeks of Advent, and each one has like a theme. And as I was looking at the theme, I was like, okay, this is crazy how this lines up with what God is doing. And so really all I said, you know, in planning is we're going to follow the traditional themes that the church has followed for hundreds of years. And it's crazy because we didn't even know this as we were doing it. But you guys remember when we went to um, do our outreach where we were making T-shirts and the proceeds were going to benefit the heroin recovery? There were four different ones that you could get, right? You could, maybe some of you got these and you have. Um, so there was bringing hope bringing peace, bringing joy, and bringing love, right? Those were the four? Did everybody get one of those four? Well, those are the four themes of the Advent seasons. Also, they're in Sarah's song that she and Jonathan wrote together. You know, we carry hope, we carry life, we carry peace, we carry joy. That's, it's like, this is what God is doing in our church, okay? So we talked about hope last week. That's the first one. And it was just such a cool symbol as we had our baptism to hope and new life. And this week we're talking about the second one, which is peace. So, uh, peace is, a, I feel like, a pretty common topic around Christmas time. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. You probably have heard a message, and maybe you're hoping right now that I'm not going to say, you know, that the whole message is going to be, you know, the only hope for peace at Christmas is Jesus, and, you know, that's true, but I think you've probably heard that message before, so we're not going to talk so much about what peace is, but more about how we do it, (laughs) and I use that phrase on purpose because, you know, we think of peace sometimes as a thing that just comes to us or something that we experience passively, but peace is actually something that we do, something that we make. And we, the great thing about all the things of Advent is they're, they're, they are things that Jesus wants to birth in our own hearts, of course, of course they are. But he has given us the, the ministry and the responsibility of sharing those things with the world, his hope, his peace, his joy, his love. The world doesn't get to know those if we don't do them, right? So we want to find out how we can bring peace to the world, not just how we can have it. And I find that the two, I think, go together in a lot of ways. I'm going to go ahead and just read one verse right now. And we'll, we'll return to this verse later. But I just want to kind of give you, a, give you a vision into where we're going. And I'm just going to read our, our one verse for today. It's James chapter 3, verse 18. If you, can, you don't really even have to turn there in your Bible. It's going to be really quick. Although, if you don't have a Bible, we have them over here, and we'd love to give you one. So please help yourself and take it home with you. This is James 3, 18. And this is the NIV version, and we'll, we'll hit a couple others as we go. But it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. 
Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So that's where we're headed. Let me pray before we start. Jesus, I thank you so much for your peace. Holy Spirit, I, just as we worship and as we're here together, I just sense your presence and your peace. Thankful, Lord. We invite your peace to fill our hearts. Yeah, help us to slow down. Help us to slow down our minds, slow down our hearts. And let this word that I'm speaking be a word of peace to those who need it. And a word that we can share as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I was saying, you know, peace is something that I think you hear about a lot, right? You know, at Christmas especially. It seems like, you know, our, our culture is kind of selling us Christmas as a time of peace. But then everything that we do in our culture around Christmas is like the opposite of that. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. Um, and I, I would say that there's like a, there's a false promise of Christmas peace I would say there's also a true promise. The false promise is like the Christmas carol version, you know. Oh, I mean, and again, please don't hear me bashing any of these songs, because I love them too, right? Silent night, holy night, right? This was not a silent night. This, there was a childbirth happening, okay? <laughs> right? Now that I have experienced that process, okay? And it was in a... Anyway, that's all. Um, <laughs> for, for my own health and safety, that's all. But, uh, okay, and it was in a stable with animals, right? So they, they just make noise all the time. There were snorts and whinnies and all the things that animals do in a stable. Um, right? Oh, away in a manger, you know, oh, what is it? The, the cattle are lowing, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. He, that baby didn't wake up in the night crying to be fed. He did. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. And even in more like secular ones, you know, there will be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing and, you know. <laughs> These idyllic songs and, and twinkling lights and, you know, so that stuff, a lot of it is, is really peaceful, you know, so I don't want to, I don't want to bash it, but that, that is a, in some ways, that's like, a, that's like a false promise, especially in the midst of a culture that is actually selling the opposite of peace under like the veneer of peace. It's like we go after the stuff thinking that we want peace, and what we end up getting sold is something different, you know? Um, just ask uh, some, anyone who's tried to hang Christmas lights on a high roof if that like adds peace to their Christmas or not, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And the reason I think that that's a false promise of like Christmas peace is because it's shooting at the wrong goal. The what they're what we're like hearing in those songs is that peace is just about this like feeling of uh, serenity or calm, you know. All is calm, all is bright, you know, that, that we're, we all want that. But is that actually what peace is? I mean, I think peace includes that. But I don't think that peace just means 
serenity. I do think that Christmas is meant to be a time of peace, though. And we have to get to the true promise of Christmas peace. And this is literally all I'm going to say about the what peace is part of this, and then we'll move on to how to do it. But it is just really important for us to know that when the Bible talks about peace, it's not the word that's used there is not just meaning like a serene kind of like stillness. Um, the Hebrew word, and, and you've probably heard this before, it's, if there's any one word that in Hebrew that a lot of people know other than hallelujah, it's probably shalom, which is the Hebrew word that's used and translated in our Bible as peace. And um, what that word means is is not just the absence of fighting, it's not just stillness, but it has a connotation of wholeness. That the parts of our life are whole, they're one. There's an integrity, a wholeness, richness, completeness. Uh, it's things in their, in their right order. It's not just being still, necessarily. It's a chance for everything to be operating in one accord. And so keep that in mind. Here's a, here's a famous Christmas verse that we can read together. But this is the true promise of Christmas peace. And this is in Isaiah chapter 9. This is, um, this is what is actually being promised as far as peace goes. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So maybe you haven't thought of a word like zeal and a word like peace at the same time before. Zeal is like an action word. It's like you're going for something as hard as you can. It's the zeal of the Lord Almighty that accomplishes peace. And look at what it says in there about... if you. I'm wondering about this whole, like, is peace just serenity thing? Look at what it says here in verse 7. Of the increase of his government, Jesus' government, and the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's uh, always increasing. If we're thinking of peace just as serenity, either you have it or you don't. There's no, like, like there's a level where you can, like, reach it and then it's done. But it, he's saying that the increase of Jesus' peace will have no end. So it's obvious that he's meaning something more than just calm. There's only so calm you can be, and then you're at, like, max, you're just not moving anymore. What, uh... (laughs) So there must be more than this vision of peace as just being calm. And... And that richness, that completion is something that can, that can always increase. Like the parts of the world are increasingly being brought into order and beauty and the wholeness that they were originally designed for. 
if you look around and see the mess that there is in our world, you can almost imagine that it will take us eternity to clean it all up. <laughs> you know, We'll be bringing things more and more into wholeness and completion. That's part of Jesus' mission for us. And so we want to keep that idea of shalom in mind when we're talking about peace here. It's, so, it's hard for us as Americans to hear it because we think peace just means we're not fighting. But peace means everything coming together in wholeness, okay? And that is it for what we're talking about, about what peace is, all right? We're more interested today in where it is and how it is, how it happens. And that brings us to our verse, okay? So in James, the verse I just read, James 3.18, says that peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Uh, For those of you who are into these kind of things like I am, uh, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So when Isaiah uses the word peace, you know, the increase of his peace, there will be no end. He said shalom, right? The New Testament was written in Greek, but it was written in Greek by people who also knew Hebrew, and in large part. And the word that they picked in Greek to use for shalom when they were translating shalom is the word that's here in this passage. Whenever, like, because they, a lot of the New Testament writers do a lot of cool things where they quote the Old Testament and show how Jesus fulfilled them. And whenever they're quoting an Old Testament verse about shalom, they use the word that's here in this passage, which is harder to say. It's, I think it's eirene or something like that. Not so good with Greek. But, it's the, it's the equivalent ver- word, and it's in there twice. And this is what he's talking about when he's talking about a person who makes peace, a peacemaker, a person who makes this, this completeness, this wholeness, wherever they go. So... Do you guys see the connection there? The, the increase of Jesus' government and peace will have no end. And, but the way that the increase is going to happen is going to be us. Is that cool? Jesus could bring about peace by himself. That wouldn't be a problem for him. And he, of course, took the leading role in making it happen by coming to be with us and doing all the things that he did. But the way that the increase happens, the harvest of righteousness is raised by peacemakers who sow in peace. So if that is our goal, if that's the mission, if we're the ones that are going to bring things to completion, to wholeness, to right order before the Lord, how do we do that? How do we do that? And that's what we want to talk about today. How is it that we sow peace into the world around us? What, are those, what do those seeds look like? I've got, three, um, I've got three different things. If you're like an outline person and you like, you can just kind of make three little dashes and there'll be three, I promise. I'll remind you what they are when they're coming. I, didn't, I wasn't ready in time to get it in the bulletin. Sorry about that. But the first way that, I'm, that I felt like I was 
speaking to us today that we sow in peace is through words of peace. And that's what uh, James chapter 3 is actually all about. It's all about the power of words and what they can do. You know, we read the last verse of the chapter, but the whole thing is about words. And um, I'll say this again later, but I want to read you the... So when people translate the Bible, they translate it different ways. Some people are trying to get more the feel, like the natural idioms of it, but there's also like more like word-for-word translations. And the word-for-word, uh, one good word-for-word translation is the New American Standard Bible. What that one says for the verse that we read in James 3.18 is this. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that, that just kind of awakened like a new thing in me. Like peacemakers is a noun, but what it actually says is those who make peace. And that verb, make Make peace, that's the same verb that they use when they talk about God making us, right? Same root that, you know, we're God's workmanship, the thing that he made. When, so we, you know, he, we don't create new things, but because we're in the image of the creator, he gave us the ability to make peace in his world and restore it to the way it was supposed to be. Adam's whole job from the beginning in the garden, right, was to tend the garden. And it was, if it, it doesn't make sense in a world of no sin that his job was like serenity, because of course there was no fighting. But his job was like completion and wholeness and beauty and growth. And that has always been the call of humanity. Jesus put that gift in us to walk in from the beginning. So we make peace the same way that God makes everything. What does it look like for you to author peace or sculpt peace or create peace? I'll tell you what it looked like for Jesus when he created. He, what? He spoke. He spoke a word. He the world was created, all of it, through Jesus and through... So Jesus himself is called the Word of God, but it's through his voice that he said, let there be light, and there was light. We have Christ living inside us. We have the power of the words of Christ if we're willing to use it. You could say anything to anyone, right? And it might make a difference, it might not. But if you speak the word of Christ, then something happens. I feel like I need like more soul when I say that somehow. Like, do you hear it, church, that when you speak the word of Christ, things happen? You know, like, come on. This stuff starts to happen. And that's how you know that the word of Christ is being released. I... I can't, I can't even begin to say that strongly enough. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so quiet. If I ever like yelled, I don't even know what you guys would all do. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus told us that this is true, right? When he sent out the 72 disciples, do you remember? He sent them out two by two to different places. And what he told them to do when they got to a house is he said, 
as soon as you go in, enter, he said, um, say this. He said, peace be on this house. And, okay. And what he said then is that something would happen. He said that if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. And the peace will, like, fill the house. And he said, if a man of peace is not there, your peace will return to you and you should leave with it. Jesus is saying that, like, there's a spiritual reality in speaking these words of peace. That's why also Paul and the other, and Peter too, they all start every letter they wrote with grace and peace to you from God our Father or from the Lord Jesus. They, it's not just like a formality, like, you know, dear so-and-so. It's like they actually believed that they were imparting that by the word of their blessing. And that was the best thing they could think of to offer to the people that they were writing to. Grace and peace. Man, that's a good combination. We'll talk more about grace in a, in a minute here, but... We know that James chapter 3 is all about the power of words for good or, or for not so good. If you back up to verse 9 in chapter 3, it's talking about the power of the tongue. It says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it also we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? And that's the verse that he's calling back to when he talks about the harvest of righteousness, right? He said that, remember what that word for word one said? He said, the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, right? So when you plant a seed, like a tomato seed or a sunflower seed, there's only one thing that can grow from that, right? And so the seed that makes the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. It's sown through words of peace. And so if we want to be the right kind of tree, the Bible calls them oaks of righteousness. Have you heard that term before? That's also from Isaiah. That's from Isaiah 61.3. If we want to be that kind of tree that produces righteousness, we have to sow in peace. I just want to read you Isaiah 61.3 because this is, you'll see this picture of uh, completion and wholeness. This is, the, this is the mission of God. And Jesus said that this was his mission when he was here, and so that means it's now our mission. He read this verse in the temple the first time he ever preached. Um, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And that's the peace that we're looking for. 
That's that completion, that wholeness, bringing things that were dead back to life. Do you think there's some places around in our city and our world that could use that kind of peace? We need good timber to do the rebuilding. We need oaks of righteousness to rebuild the cities that have been broken and be called the repair of the what is it, the repair of the breach. So we have to learn to sow in peace. And the, the way that James is saying that we do that is that we have to watch our words. The things that we say have power. You might not even think about some of the things that you say, but the things that you say have power to release blessing or they can release cursing, too, on people's lives. And we need to learn how to speak that blessing, how to, how to keep... Uh, keep it from being salt and fresh water out of the same mouth. And uh, so I would just challenge you, if, if you don't feel the peace of God in your heart sometimes, maybe the first place to look is at what comes out of your mouth. You release not just onto others, but into your whole area, onto yourself, words of blessing or words of cursing. And we want to we wanna sow in peace. What does it look like? What does it mean to bless people and not curse them? Man, people are annoying sometimes, right? I... But the, the mission, what God is talking about is he's saying that our hearts can be so complete, so filled in him, so full of his peace, that we can receive something from someone that is wrong or even just annoying or whatever and that we can come back with blessing. That we are not a victim of the difficult people in our lives. They don't have any control over the peace of our hearts. That's what Jesus is saying. And actually, we can hit them with some peace that they're not even asking for. It's really easy to curse people, and not just in the way of like you're on the highway and someone cuts you off, and like the literal sense of cursing them. It's just easy to just think that people can't do it or say that they won't make it or bring people down, belittle them. We, it's just, we just feel so much like we have to bring other people down to raise ourselves up. But that's not the picture of God's peace. It's like an overflowing completeness that is available for everybody. If you give away some peace to somebody else, you're going to actually find that you have more of it and not less. Calling out the good in people is a word of peace. In fact, there's no better way to diffuse somebody getting like super mad at you, being like, wow, you really care about this. It's amazing that you care so much about this. And just call out the truth of that's mixed in with the the bad stuff that they're throwing at you. They won't even know like what to do with it, probably. Hmm. Tell people, you know, just talk, talk to people in love and don't worry about defending yourself. That's a big thing. I think we uh, sometimes curse people because it's like a defense. Like, no, you just... But Jesus was pretty unconcerned with his own defense in his life. He didn't even speak at his own trial. He knew what he came to do, 
and he was filled with peace to do it. Um, yeah, we can, we can be like that. And those are just some examples. I'm sure you can think of more ways that you can speak words of peace to your kids, to your spouse, to your coworkers, to your boss, to, <laughs> to random people on the street. Man, words of peace. It's kind of weird to say, but I'm excited about peace. (laughs) We don't think of those. Like I said, zeal and peace, we don't think of together, but they are together. Peace peace is a thing that moves and happens. We make it. You're excited about the things that you make. I promised you three things. Here's the second one. Ways that we sow in peace... In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, we read that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. That the ministry is that God is making peace with the world. He's decided that there's a way that he's not going to hold men's sins against them. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And God has given to us the message of his peace with the world. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. That is our message. And the word that that passage uses is reconciliation. It's not the same word as peace, but it's another word that's so awesome that I just have to tell you about it now. So, because I like words. That Greek word, which I won't even attempt to pronounce, is one that, that reconciliation means leveling the scales. You know, like an old school scale, like a balanced scale. That word means leveling the scales. And in the ancient economy, that was really important because there was no, like, national mint. People were making coins themselves, and sometimes they'd be like, oh, yeah, this is a shekel, but it would be like a shekel like minus, like, an eighth, and they'd take the extra and make more shekels, right? So it was really important they would use weights to measure it. Like, is this, a, is this, is this the right one or not? And if it came to find out that someone was trying to short you by using an unfair measure, that would probably be the end of that business relationship, the end of that transaction. Come to find out the scales of justice indicate that we have shorted Jesus. Uh, we, We haven't given him what he deserves. And when it's saying that his message is reconciliation, it's saying that he has decided that the scales are level. And it's not just like he decided that. He actually took some of his and put it on ours and made the thing level again so that we could continue our relationship. And we have that ministry. What would it be like if we approached our conflicts in life that way? Instead, what if the goal, instead of making the other person realize and like rub their nose in how short they shorted you on the scale, what if the whole goal from the beginning was to make the scales level so that we could move forward? It causes us to approach differently. It causes us to sow peace instead of conflict. 
Instead of focusing on the error, how can we get back to balance? And that's what reconciliation and forgiveness is all about. Like, we want to see, we want to have Jesus' heart where we'll take from ours and give to you. That's, that's called forgiveness so that we can leave it behind us. Not with a record of wrongs, but so that the scales are level and we can continue going forward. And man, if we're going to approach personal conflicts that way, what if we approach society's conflicts that way too? You're wrong, and I have eight reasons why you're wrong. I'm going to show you why you're wrong, and your scale is short. What if instead we said, how can we balance this out so we can work together? Man. That will be a seed of peace that the world won't know what to do with. And it's a big, that's a big deal. I don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like practically, but I know it looks like forgiveness. I know that any time we decide to bring peace and reconciliation, we're doing the work of that like God has sent us to do. We're, we're becoming someone who makes peace. We're authoring peace in our world. whether that's in your own personal conflict or maybe helping other people you know work out a conflict between them. Um, man, speaking of voice of healing into societal wrongs, that could be as big as we make it. That's something that's worth being excited about. That's where peace happens. The last way I just want to finish with is that we, we sow the seeds of peace. We become peacemakers as we, and this is a term that the Bible uses a few times, that we, we seek peace or pursue it. Our, our pursuit of peace is a way that we sow in peace. And I mean, it's not really super complicated. You just can't serve what's not cooking. If, uh, if God's peace is not being birthed and grown and planted in your heart, then you just won't have it available to offer to people that need it. And so when Jesus talks about being a peacemaker, he's saying that this is something that we pursue by being in his presence. The only other verse in the Bible that uses the word peacemaker the same way that this one in James does is, maybe you guys already have figured out what it is. Do you remember it? In Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The children of God live in God's house. They sit at his feet and at his table. That's the image that Jesus has of us as we bring peace. For that to happen, we have to approach him like we have to live like his children. You know, we are his children, but we, boy, do we forget about the benefits that that entails. Constant access to the Father, all his blessings, the authority of his kingdom. We want to live as his children. And as we do that, as we pursue that, peace will be born in our hearts and all around us.
Uh, in First Peter, Peter quotes, um, he quotes Psalm 34, where he says that if you desire a long and a good life, you, two things, turn from evil and do good, and then seek peace and pursue it. And it's something that's worth finding wherever it is, and it's only located in the presence of God. But it does take a, it takes like a, a giving in, a willingness to say yes to it. In, in Colossians, Paul says, uh, let me just turn over to this. Or did I have it? I had it on my phone for quick access so that I wouldn't be glued to my podium while I was looking at it. So, In Colossians, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. So there's like a, a there's a way that we have to say yes to the peace of Christ. And this one, this might like ruffle a few feathers, so don't, you know, just hear this in love. But some of us are kind of uh, addicted to our anxiety or our busyness, the things that are keeping us from peace. Um, when those things slow down and we're not moving is when we come to face the fact that the peace that we want to feel in our hearts is not there. So we just keep moving, keep doing other things. And what Paul is calling us to do is submit to God's way of giving us peace. And that's found through resting and remaining in his presence. As members of one body, we're called to peace. We come to peace in Jesus' presence. And that one makes sense, even if you just think of peace as serenity. But what he says in there is not just that. He says, as members of one body, you are called to peace. And if you just think of peace as the absence of fighting, then that doesn't make any sense because the only place you could be sure that you're not going to have to fight or have a conflict with someone is if you're alone. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean... That's kind of sad to say. But if all you want to do is avoid conflict, then the safest place you can be is alone. Jesus says, as members of a body, we're called to peace. The peace that he's talking about, the wholeness and completion, it only comes as we do it together. There's no other way. And by forming a community of peace here, we form a light and a seed that's planted out in the world that people can see. That's why it's so important that we speak to each other in peace here. That, that command about peace doesn't make any sense unless you have the right idea of what peace is. It's wholeness, it's completion, it's bringing all our relationships together to one purpose. That we would sow the seeds of peace and see it be birthed and planted in our world.